How you guys doing? Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump right in, okay? God, thank you so much for these students, for this place, for this moment. I thank you that they are here because you wanted them here. Even if they didn't want to come, you knew they needed to be here anyway. So let us get all that we are supposed to get out of tonight. God, for the person that is the closest to you, to the one that's so far away, they don't even know the truth of who you are, the beauty that you wrecked me with years ago. To the end that they might be who you've called them to be and do what you want them to do and walk in the way that you've called them to walk. I pray that these students wouldn't just attend reckless, but they begin to live reckless lives for the glory of God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let me tell you, I love high school students. I'll tell you why I love high school. I do like, I got like two different camps I'm doing this summer and I'm traveling all over the country talking to like high school students because I dig you guys. You guys are awesome. You're, you're mostly awesome because you're so dumb you don't even know. <laughs> it's science. Your brains aren't done developing yet. It's okay. I know you get A's and your mommy says you're the smartest ever. But you're an idiot most of the time and you know it. Now here's the fun part. I became a Christian at 16 years old. I did not start out like a good kid. I was the bad kid in a really, really tough neighborhood. I was a legitimate thug, not like a Paulding County thug, you know. <laughs> really? You got a cornfield across the street and you're a thug, whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I was a real thug. I, I never forget before I became a believer, somebody wrote in my yearbook, I became a believer in high school, and somebody wrote in my yearbook, yeah, I love how you're following Jesus now, but I remember when you put the guy through the window at McDonald's. No, it was Burger King, Burger King, it was Burger King. I was that dude, I was robbing, I was stealing, I had a really rough upbringing, I had been homeless several times. There was one time I was so hungry that I fed my little sister because we were gambling. I'll never forget, one of the lowest points of my life was a Christmas, and we're sitting in Camden, New Jersey. Camden is like the armpit, the toe jam of America. And I'm stand, sitting in our apartment. There's mice running through the apartment. It's Christmas time. We were so broke. There wasn't a tree. There was no light. There was no nothing. We didn't have no gifts. We were completely just sitting there and sad. And I never forget in that moment, I was wondering if life was even worth living. You see, I didn't come up in a nice environment like this where you had church people that actually cared about you and thought about you and met in groups and prayed for you. I didn't have that. I didn't have anybody that loved me. My dad left me once he found out that my mom was pregnant with me because he was married. And my mom wasn't. Y'all catch that? Seniors, explain it to the freshmen. Um... So abandoned me, and then at one point when I was 12 years old, I was 12, my mom abandoned me, and the house I was living in became a crack house while I was living in it. I had no adult supervision. I did what I wanted. I went where I wanted. My life sucked. And the thing that bothered me most was that the Christians around me sucked worse. You see, I went to church, but I went to church to sleep with the church girls because they were easy. (laughs) 
How dare you say that? You say worse to your friends on Instagram. Shut up. I'm so serious though. You see, the church girls didn't know that I didn't have any game. They were so naive that they thought I had game. The girls in the street knew I had no game, but the church girls didn't know any better, so they were praying. Oh, 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 wait a minute. Y'all, y'all thought I was going to play. Y'all thought I wasn't going to be real. Can I be real with y'all? We're in the storytellers series, so can I tell a real story? Oh, y'all want me to be nice and religious? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. No. I'm not playing around because by the time I had become 12, I had done everything that anybody was big and bad enough to do except take drugs. And the only reason I didn't take drugs was because I was in a crack house and I knew I didn't want to do that. But drinking, sex, everything else by 12. So I don't come playing with you guys because you're in a real world with real issues where real stuff goes down. So if I'm going to be a little real with you, you need to be okay with that. Now let me tell you a real story that kind of messes me up out of the Bible. And it's one that grabs me all the time because it's somebody else that was very young. You've heard of Mary, Jesus' mama. You know when the angel came to Mary, or she was probably 14, 15 years old. How many of you are in here are 14, 15? Yeah. Strange moment. So check it out. Mary was kind of an ordinary girl from a pretty much nothing family, just doing what she does. And she had several problems. What were the problems? Well, one, she was a woman. In this culture, women weren't worth very much. Like if property was passed down, it'd be passed down to the sons. Women weren't given authority. Women weren't even really taught how to read and write very often. She was a woman. Then you add to that she was young. She didn't have the respect that you would give someone that's a woman and older. She didn't have that at all. So people would look right past us. Then third, she was a Jew. Jews during this time were second-class citizens. Rome had taken over. They were the bosses. They were the rulers. Even a little king that the Jews had really had no power. If he didn't go to Rome, it was horrible for her. The best thing that could have happened to her is that somebody that had a good job would marry her. Only real opportunity she had. And comes along a dude named Joseph. He has a good job. I'm imagining he was kind of cute. And he said, yeah, I'll marry her. So her family's like, you made it. (laughs) Yes. And she's all excited. Now, to be engaged to someone at this time was a little different. To be engaged isn't like engaged now. We just get the ring and everybody smiles and they, ah, look at the baby. She's getting married. You know, it wasn't that. It was almost like you were married. But you couldn't, like, do everything. Sex. You couldn't have sex. During that time. And he, the reason why we think he was pretty young is because he was in this time where they, he wanted to marry her, but he wasn't fully ready, so he probably had to go, like, make a house, and, you know, he had to, like... 
give payment to her dad to marry her. I told you women weren't very valuable at that time. So it's like, I'm going to go get some money and marry you. So the only time they really had was like flirting, like they go get something to drink. And he's like, hey, girl. <laughs> hey. How you doing? I'm good. No, I'm going to marry you right Yeah, You know, that's as close as they could get. Her life is about to be better than she ever could have imagined. And then God stepped in to her story. To welcome her into his story so that she could be a part of history. You catch that? So God steps in and that's where we pick up. In Luke 1, 26 through 33, pull up your apps. It's probably going to be on the screen. Let's go. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Because she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Now stop there. Why would the angel have to say, don't be afraid? Because she was scared. Angel shows up in a room, you standing there, you're going to be a little scared too. I'm saying, you ever look at what an angel was in scripture? They're not the little cute things we put on trees. These suckers are huge. And when they talk, stuff shakes. So yeah, freak out moment for Mary. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. And he will be great and, will call, and be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. This is a cool thing. Girl about to get married, and she finds out she's about to get pregnant. I don't care what you say. You come up here talking about, you know, our angel came and talked to you. Lies. Who's the boy? (laughs) Happened once, ain't happening again. This is a freak out moment for her. But God found this girl who was ordinary and was going to do something extraordinary with her. That's our first point, lesson one. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Now, how do we know she was ordinary? And she says it herself. She kind of lays it out, and we'll go for it. Luke, just a little further in that chapter, Luke 46 through 48, and it says... And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, talking about herself. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Basically, what she is saying is, he saw me when nobody else saw me. He cared about me when nobody was paying me attention. And now the rest of the world is going to know my name because God took somebody that was ordinary and did something extraordinary. Is that amazing to anybody else? 
See, we like to think that it's kind of like the really special good kids that get stuff or the really nice people. It's the, no, but God took somebody that was so ordinary, you could tell she didn't even see herself special. But I love how God goes, yeah, I, I, I know you don't think you're anything special, but I, I see something special in you. That's my story. I'm somebody that other people look past and I'd be standing on the corner with my boys and people would go drive by and they'd lock their car doors. And, and then all of a sudden I wanted to rob them. Before then I didn't think about it, but now, since you're going to lock your doors, I just might. And with me, he took somebody whose dad never wanted him. My dad could walk into the room right now and I wouldn't know he was here No, okay. (laughs) Somebody whose mom abandoned him and said, yeah, I want to use you in spite of you. I'm not looking at what you think you are or who you think you're not, but I see you in spite of you because I created you and I made you for a purpose. There are some of you, your biggest struggle is you. You don't think you're worth anything. So when somebody tells you you are, you try to figure out reasons why they're wrong. And I'm here to tell you that God sees you. You thought he looked past you, but he has his eye on you. That's kind of why you're here today. You're not neglected. You're not ignored. You're loved by a God wants to bring you into his story. Mary knew she was ordinary, but she was so overwhelmed by the fact that an almighty God would pull her in. You know, part of the reason why I didn't want to become a Christian is because of the Christians. Sometimes Christians suck. Tweet that. Snapchat it. Instagram it. It's true. You'll get a lot of likes. Sometimes Christians suck. Some of the older folk in the room are going, oh, don't say that. And all y'all going, yeah, we know. (laughs) So true. And I looked at all the Christians around me when I was in this place where I was deciding whether or not I'd follow Jesus. And all of them either wanted to be like me, the thug in the street, doing the stuff I was doing but were ashamed to try to, but they really wanted to, or they lived such horrible lives, period. You didn't believe what you said you believed, so why would I believe what you believe? You know other people are looking at your life. They know you come to reckless, and they're waiting to see if you are the real deal, and they'll decide whether or not they'll follow Jesus based on what they see in you. You see, but if they see that you're like Mary and you're excited that God decided to see you and check in on you and you matter to him and you're grateful for that, then when that gratefulness comes out, they go, wow, there's something special about you. Does that make sense? But Mary took the approach of gratefulness. Now, here's here's a thought. I, I love this thought. You ever hear the term, be ready so you don't got to get ready? You want to be ready so you don't have to get ready. My question is, if God came to you 
and told you I want to use you, would you be ready? Or would you be like, oh, well, you know, I got a couple of things I got to work out, God. You know, I'm not sure. See, would you be ready? Mary was ready. She was a virgin. And based on the speech she gives in that 46 through about 56, she, you could tell, she knew the scripture. Mary was just available and ready to follow God at any moment. She didn't have to get ready. It wasn't like, wait a minute, Angel, I'll be back. I got to go repent for some stuff. Because I did some stuff last week that don't nobody know about. I'll be back. But she was ready. She was in a position where God could use her. I wonder if our desire to have God use us is being short-circuited by the things we're doing to keep ourselves away from him. And then when he steps in and goes, yeah, I want to use you, we can't believe that God wants to use us because we got so much guilt and shame and mess from the stuff we, mm mm-hmm, yeah, it's quiet, I know. Look straight ahead, they won't know I'm talking about you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You should see your expressions. I, want, I pray that God would keep me in a place where God can use me because I'm always ready. You hear that? Do you hear that? Lesson number two. God's calling on our lives is often tougher than we imagine. You see, God, the angel came and told her, hey, I want to do something great in and through you. And she's like, yes, amazing. But what he didn't tell her is how hard her life was going to be because God used her. Now imagine, you're pregnant. Yeah, that's enough. Without having a wedding night. Scandalous. Pregnant. And she had to go tell her parents. An angel came and told me that I was going to have a baby and he was going to be Lord of all. Can you imagine her prayer? You lie. Everybody in the community would have shunned her. And a couple generations before this, she would have been killed. But because Jews couldn't just kill people arbitrarily anymore, she was probably shunned by everybody around her. Consider the whole of the community. Yes, I said ho. I'm pretty sure Mary heard some worse things about herself. Can you imagine everybody whispering, calling you names? Everybody knowing your business? Even the guy that she wanted to be with that was kind of hollering her on the side and just like, girl, you don't even know. When time comes, I'm woo You don't even know. That dude wanted to break it off. Says, I have- you see, sometimes when God says, I have something for you to do, there's challenges ahead of you. She goes, they, God had to, Joseph wanted to break it off, but God had to send him a dream so he wouldn't. That's how serious he was. 
Like, yeah, it's over. I ain't going to publicly shame you, but you are out of here. You done cheated on me. You done lost your mind. So Mary is in a situation where everything in her life is crashing in. God speaks to Joseph. He steps up. They get married, but they still can't do nothing. Sex. I mean, talking about sex. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, they can't do nothing. And he has to take care of her and take care of this baby in her womb like it's his. So she goes nine and a half months carrying Jesus. And then toward the end of her pregnancy, she had to travel to her husband's hometown. It's the law. She has to go. Have you ever seen a woman real pregnant? It is not a pretty thing. It's beautiful. My wife, I like, she, when she was pregnant, she, you stand behind her and you wouldn't see anything. And then she'd turn and it'd be like, it was like, whoa. And at the end of the pregnancy, she didn't want to go nowhere, do nothing. She was mean. Not a good moment. But she had to travel a good distance with her husband. And this wasn't like normal travel. This is not like car, train, bus. This is travel by donkey. (laughs) Pregnant. Anybody ever rode a donkey? I'm not even talking about a horse. I'm talking about a donkey. Not comfortable. And then finally, when she arrives in her husband's hometown, the baby is like, I'm ready. And they can't even have it like in a building. They got to go to a barn to have a baby. Now, y'all live in, in Paulding County. You know what a barn is. I saw five of them on my way here. Anybody want to have like a baby or have any medical procedure done in there? There's still poo on the floor. And I got to have a baby here? This is all that she had to go through. Everything's going to go well. It means that he's going to be with you even though it sucks. I'll never forget. I was... um. I'd come to Jesus and I'd fired up. I was loving God with everything in me. I went from being like that thug dude to being like the Jesus dude. And I don't mean like a little Jesus dude. I was like the way out there crazy Jesus dude. I got pictures of me praying with like teachers and other students in front of the school. I started a Bible club in my school and that wasn't enough. So I went and started another one at like another school. And I was preaching everywhere. It was crazy. People were talking about me. The news people knew who I was. This crazy kid really loves Jesus. And he went from like there to all the way over there. I was that Jesus dude. People were talking about me. They called me Rev. And I'm a pastor now, but in high school, being called Rev is not a good thing. I went from being like a star football player. Well, I was still good, you know. I was still good, but I started leading like the prayers for our team. And, but I was like the cool dude. I wasn't even like, and then all of a sudden all these other guys started hanging out with me. And they weren't like the cool kids that were coming to Jesus. They were like the nerds. I became the king of the nerds. 
So I went from being a cool dude to king of the nerds. And all of the nerds were coming to Jesus, and it was an interesting moment for me. And at 17 years old, God came to me and woke me up out of a dream and told me I'd be doing this for people like you. I was still poor, and all I had was Jesus. I didn't know all the struggle I was going to have to go through in my life. But I was so overwhelmed that God wanted to use me that I said, yeah, whatever it takes. I didn't know that he would want me to start a church in the poorest community in the city of Atlanta. I didn't know that my wife and I would almost lose our house. I didn't know that we'd have a child with severe special needs. My son is 100% dependent on us for everything. He's in a wheelchair. He can't walk. He has trouble speaking. And we have to do all this. I didn't know that that was the journey ahead, but I decided, God, I'll follow you. And no matter what hardship comes, it's worth it because I know that you want to use ordinary old me to do something extraordinary. And I take the deal again if given the option. Because I knew I didn't deserve to be a part of a God story. Just like Mary. So whatever difficulty comes, it was worth it. Here's our last point. Things that make, we should want to do things that makes heaven proud. We should want to do things that makes heaven proud. Now, what do I mean by that? You had... After that, she's in the manger, she has the baby. It's the advent, the coming of the Savior. You ever heard that term advent before? Ever wonder what it meant? Anybody ever wonder what it meant? All right, I'm going to tell you. An advent is an arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. That's an advent. The arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And Mary finally has to birth a baby. She didn't even enjoy like the fun Making a baby? Sex. <laughs> but she has to endure somebody, she has to endure somebody coming out of her body. That ain't easy. I've seen it. It's scary. <laughs> so more hardship. So she finally has Jesus. But this is what happened in chapter 2. Verse 8 through 14, and there were shepherds camping in the neighborhood, and they had set a night watch over the sheep. Suddenly, God's angels stood among them, and God's glory blazed around them. So it's like nighttime, and then all of a sudden, it's so bright, it's like day. And they were terrified, and the angel said, don't be afraid. Why? Because they were afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has just been born in David's town. A savior who is the Messiah and master. This is what you are to look for. This is how crazy this situation is. A baby wrapped in a blanket lying in a manger. At once... The angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. Now check this out. You want to talk about God using ordinary people. Shepherds weren't considered to be spiritual people. 
They were dirty. They were nasty. You couldn't like go into the temple if you had like poo on you. And they were always out in the field with the sheep with poo on them. So they couldn't really like worship. They were not spiritual. But an angel went out and told them something just went down. You don't even know. The God that you all worship has a face for the first time. He's lying in a manger right now. Goes up like before that angel could finish talking, like the rest of heaven showed up, like, oh yeah, you don't even know. They high-fiving one another. It's going down. It's about to happen. You ain't never seen nothing like this before. Angels forget that the shepherds are there. They start throwing a party above the shepherds' heads. Why? Because something amazing has happened. God had just taken an ordinary girl and brought himself to earth. What an extraordinary story. And you shepherds who are ordinary get to be a part of this. You get to see what's going down. God took a girl who nobody else saw and he changed history with her. She was literally the vessel God used to change the world. He took an ordinary high school freshman, as it were, and said, I want to use you to do something that's never been done before. I want to take your little life and perform a miracle. I know that you don't think that I can use you, but I'm going to show you how much a God I am because I not only see you, I will do something great with you. I want to tell you that the same message comes to you today in spite of what you've done, in spite of what you've experienced, in spite of how many people have ignored you, in spite of how dirty or ugly or stupid you feel. Almighty God is saying, I want to use you to do something great in this world. You may feel worthless, but you have value to the God of the universe, which means you're precious and priceless. I love looking at Mary because her story reminds us that God can use anybody to do anything if we would dare trust him with our lives. And I don't know, some of you are like, but I'm only this age, 14, 15, 16 years old. I got so much that I want to do, but can God take your life and do something with it? Are you willing to let God take your little life and blow it up to the point that the plate everybody knows about what he's doing in you? Would you rather like to play church? Pretend to be a nice little Christian. But your life is yours. God can't have it. God can't use you because you got plans for your life. What if God came and wanted to wreck all your plans, thoughts, and dreams because he had a bigger dream? He 
ruined Mary's life in all the best ways. She was content living a little small life. But when God showed up, he was saying, that's too small. I have something really, really, really big for you. It's going to cost you everything. But you won't regret it one bit. Can God use your life? Can he take you right now, not you 20 years from now, not when you get older and you've done everything you feel like you're big and bad enough to do. Can God take your life right now and do something with it to make a difference in this world?